This is a podcast about the hardcore community. Made by and for those who live authentic lives and embrace hard truths. We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyon. And I'm Greg Benoit. And this is the Hardcore Archive Podcast. I mean, I listened to uh, the other interview you did recently while I was laying my daughter down, uh, Getting It Out podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll try not to make it too similar to that. Um, I'm pretty curious to ask about Boise. I'm sure everybody probably asks you about that when they uh, first meet you because Boise Hardcore is something we're not as familiar with in other parts of the country, I'm sure you can imagine. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like even so like we played Tulsa last month. Yeah. And even there, like the re like I hadn't been to like I'm trying to think, like a way to word this where it doesn't sound like like an insult. I hadn't been to like a more smaller regional hardcore fest in a while. And it reminded me a lot of Rainfest, whereas the bands from the Midwest that played it and and in Tulsa, sorry, that like by all purposes weren't like big bands. They're like younger bands. To me, they had the best reactions the whole weekend. Whereas there are some bands where I think that them like they came from like either like the Northeast or like California. And we were the only band from the Northwest that went. And I, I felt like some of those bands, like every band had a good reaction, but it was kind of the thing where I would have expected them to have a better, like bigger reactions. And maybe some of these smaller bands to not necessarily have as big of a reaction. And it really emphasized like the regional aspect of hardcore and like how a band in one area can be huge. And, you know, you go to a different part of the country and like not that many people have probably heard of them or like, or even if they've heard of them, aren't like necessarily like that into it per se. So it's definitely interesting. If you don't mind, uh, I feel like we should just uh, keep this as part of the interview because I think this is a good way to start the discussion. Uh, I had planned on doing like a mini little intro. So I guess I'm Josh Lyons. Our our guest tonight is going to be Devin uh Boudreaux from Rejection Pact uh we're going to be talking a lot about his new album or their new album I guess uh Can We Wait on Safe Inside and like I said I'm definitely curious to hear a lot about the Boise scene too because it's something I'm kind of I'm familiar with a couple of the obvious bands but other than that it's uh something new for me so um I guess yeah you were talking about the fest we'll talk more about that in a little bit but uh if, if you don't mind uh like I said, I'm really curious about the whole Boise scene. So maybe talk, tell us a little bit about that and kind of how you got involved with that eventually too. All right. So I moved here in 2007 from Anchorage, Alaska, which getting into hardcore and like that whole thing, especially in that era is like a very weird, that's a whole different can of worms. But um, whenever I moved here, I, I had visited here the year before. Like one of my good friends that I met in Anchorage was from Boise. So one summer I came down to visit and like, at least to me, hardcore felt very popping here at the time. Like, I think I wanna, I was kind of, I'm sorry. I want to pause real quick though. I, I'd i be remiss if I didn't ask you this. So were you already in, like getting into hardcore in Alaska or, or you yeah. got into it eventually? Okay. So yeah. that that's even more curious. Like, was there a scene there too? Or were you guys just finding out about shit like through like the internet and like downloading and stuff or? Uh, I would, so I started going to like punk and new metal and just like 
you know, fishnet shirt, like not like fishnet, like hardcore now, but like, you know, baggy, like being that it was Alaska was so isolated. It was just like a hodgepodge of like weirdos, you know, like I remember a lot of the first shows I was going to being like a ska band would play and then like a new metal band would play and then like a fat rec style punk band would play and then like a Nirvana sounding like kind of like just like garage like aggressive rock band would play but um me and my friends kind of just discovered like there was it was definitely like a transplant type city you had a lot there was like a pretty big military base up there so you had a lot of like army brat kids that were up there and almost all my friends that I ended up like getting like becoming friends with and hanging out with I don't I want to say not a single one of them was actually like from Alaska like I wasn't originally from Alaska I was I I'm originally from New Orleans but my parents got divorced and I moved there when I was like three but we kind of all just got into hardcore through at least for me it was like the punkorama comps that is specifically what I remember getting me into hardcore and then like movies like I was talking to someone about this the other day the escape from LA soundtrack had like Civ on it and at the time I didn't know that was hardcore I just thought it was like punk and I liked it but I could be wrong but I kind of feel like me and my friends were the first people that like started like an actual like okay this is a this is like the hardcore scene as opposed like there were I remember there was one band that I would identify or one or two bands that I would identify as hardcore bands but I don't think that they would necessarily identify like they liked hardcore but I don't I don't know they gave me the vibe very much like we're like too cool for hardcore like we're above that we're we're just like we're a band you know like they were really into converge and like a lot like I don't know it was they were sick and I wish they had their like some recordings of their music online but now my friends and I kind of like we started bands start like we were the first people at shows that were like not push moshing you know and me and my friends like some of my friends here will talk about that now like younger people don't know the struggle of going to shows where no one is into like people dancing or whatever and like every show you just know there's this is going to be an issue every time and like that in a weird way being was like fun you know and like that was like a big like looking for like oh is it like are we going to get in a fight is there going to be a fight like this is dumb. I hate having to deal with this, but at the same time, like this is weirdly fun and like appealing to me. But yeah, like we started bands. Um, I had done a couple of bands prior to moving here. One of them was like a Poison the Well, Hopes Fall, like very Trust Kill Records type stuff. And then the second band I did was much more in, in line of like Young Blood Records and like um like locking out and like bridge nine stuff like very, it was like it was like the primary songwriters for both bands were the same but it was like given our age it made a lot of sense of like oh we're at first we're really into breakdowns and then the second iteration of the first band was we got into like on broken wings and like black my heart and stuff like that and then we just got like we were writing songs around mosh parts and then within a year we were like all right we just want to play fast hardcore now and like we're not really going to have like breakdowns as much we're gonna have more like two-step parts and like circle pit parts but 
Yeah. So whenever I moved here initially, so the, my friend that I met, I, to me, Boise hardcore was like popping at the time. And the plan was when I moved here, we were going to start a band. He already had a band and they're like, Oh, we're going to kick out our singer. And then you're going to sing. We're, we're going to, we'll have a new band. Like you're going to sing in the band, but we're going to kick him out and you're going to sing. I was like, okay, sick. And then that band ended up fizzling out. So I started a band right off the get-go when I moved here, which was pretty fun. I feel like that helped me get like acquainted to like knowing more people here quickly. So I moved here in like May of 2007 and we played our first show with a different, like a new band. Cause that band fills it out. Like I said, so we started a different band and we played our first show in September of 2007. So were like a lot of like, like tours, like stopping through Boise and stuff back then already and whatnot. Or? <laughs> yeah. We had a venue here called the venue. And I feel like at the time that was, I don't think like, you know, cause like even within hardcore, especially I feel like more so back then there was so many weird sub scenes of like, Oh, this is like, the fast hardcore stuff and then this is the more like commercialized like metalcore stuff but it's still it's all like under to a lot of people that's just hardcore and then you had like not to say i mean there's still that now but not anywhere close to i think back then but there was a lot of at least to me a lot of tours are stopping through we had this consistent venue hardcore shows were getting good turnouts obviously there was like the house show scene here where those shows were much smaller, but when shows were at the venue, there'd be like anywhere, even a small show there, even a minimum, there'd be like at least a hundred kids. But um, the year that I moved here, a lot of people started turning 21. And so within a year, within the first year of me being here, I saw like show turnouts drastically shift. And the in- most interesting thing was the year before when I'd visited, even from 2006 to, th- to 2007, the show attendance seemed way smaller. Like I remember when I visited, like there was a show every other day when I was like here. And even the small shows had pretty good turnouts. And like, even if there's like, like I remember I went and saw, I'm trying to think who played. It might have been like hoods or something and it was at a small venue and even that there was like 40 or 50 people but like almost everyone at the show was like moshing and like seemed psyched but um yeah so like by 2009 I feel like shows here were pretty dead like I specifically remember 2009 being a very dark lull period for Boise and then 2000. 11 things popped started popping up again and that was good for a couple years and then kind of like the like early or like we'll say like mid 2010s it felt at least to me like kind of bleak and then kind of around i think it like feel like kind of trying to think of like because they're like when I look back at it, there was definitely a clear shift of like when things started to get better. I kind of feel like in 2019, at least to me, that's when like Boise hardcore felt way more positive and like just like cooler in a way that I hadn't felt in a long time. And then after COVID, 
you know, you know, air quotes after COVID, whatever. That's when the first show back after that, like that just felt way different. And since then, I feel like it's been like a consistently like positive uphill or not uphill, like positive graph trending or whatever, like shows every show feeling like a little better and like a little cooler. And I'll like reference one specifically. So we played a show back in October with like Drug Church and Gel and Scal and Public Opinion. And I didn't know almost everyone at the show other than like the handful of my friends that were there, but I didn't know most of the people in the room and they're all young people that I didn't even normally see at like other shows. And that felt like, at least to me, that felt like a very big stark difference, even within the last year of shows here of like, okay, I don't know who any of these people are. They're all really young. They seem to they seem to know who all these bands are. Like they're tons of people are up front singing that I've never seen before. And then um we played a show. The last show we played here, I think it was like this was the night before Thanksgiving. And there was quite a few people at that show that I think were like from that drug church show. I'm like, I don't recognize these people either, but they look like the type of people that were at that show. And so I don't know, like Boise right now just feels very like young and people just seem excited. And like, I mean, I feel like that's how most places feel right now, or at least that's kind of seems like that's like the common theme of like, oh, there's a nice influx of like younger, excited people that don't really care about like, we'll say like scene politics and like that, all that kind of stuff, which is cool. But I feel like Boise is especially just like, for the longest time, it just was like, there weren't any like new kids coming around. It was just the same people. Like I would, I could go to a show and I would know every person there. I mean, what you're saying about the the general excitement and a lot of young people being involved seems to be, like you said, the, the theme that I've heard a lot too. I mean, I'm on the other side of the country in Rochester and I've interviewed a lot of people from Syracuse this year too. And well, I guess this will come out next year, but whatever. Um, this last year, I've interviewed a lot of people from Syracuse and just the general theme people have been saying is that since things have reopened and uh, whatnot, it's it's been a lot of excitement. We, we haven't had a ton of all ages shows here because uh, that's kind of an issue here. Most of our venues are like 16 or 18 plus, but um, the shows that I've been to, um, and one specific example I can think of is back in March. Uh, I'm thinking of what you're talking about too. And this could be a bad example because I feel like um, uh, Zulu played here and I feel like a band like that might draw like a, a more of a mixed crowd anyways, like a diverse yeah. crowd. And I forget who they were torn with. I can't even pronounce her name, but it was some like industrial or like you know i know i, I know it's like what you're talking about yeah so it might have been because of that too but i remember walking in there and just being like wow like i, I recognize like two or three people but like it's, it's a really diverse crowd and like the couple of local hardcore shows that i've seen too has been like that too where it just seems more like inclusive and diverse uh than things were before i mean i know you coming like from like boise and listening to the interview you did like your scene seems to have always been kind of diverse like that too but um it seems like for us, it's getting back to that now too. So, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of weird because like before COVID, I don't, at least to me, it didn't really ever feel like lineup wise. Like Boise is not a big enough city to have like 
assault like uh, we're only gonna put on like strictly hardcore bands on the show for like um for like a local show. i mean obviously if it's like a touring package coming through yeah you could depending on like how many local openers are gonna have you could only have like the hardcore bands play but for a local show especially there weren't enough local hardcore bands to like make its own thing let alone like getting like talking about earlier getting into these like you know micro scenes of like oh this is like the fast stuff this is like the beat down stuff that like it's Boise's never been like that and like the first show we played after COVID when we came like it was an all local show it was like a death metal band a ton of young kids started bands during COVID and they're here they're all death metal bands but they're not even like so I feel like right now, like death metal is really popular within hardcore. I feel like these bands were way more just straight up death metal. Like they weren't, these weren't people that like were from the hardcore scene that like, oh, like I feel like people in hardcore, a lot of people have always liked death metal, but these were just like young 16 to 18 year old kids that got, that were into death metal. But we played a show and it was like, well, a soul sick, our traditional death metal band. Us, a band that I would say is more online with like newer Code Orange or like CU Space Cowboy type stuff. And then my buddy's band, Grave Titan, Hunter, our guitar player, pl- plays bass in that band. And they're more like Fuming Mouth or like Gate Creeper type stuff. But there was probably like, between two to three hundred people there for just like a local show and i remember we were like yo this is probably the biggest show we've played in boise and like not like ever but like at that the venue we're playing at specifically like a long time like this is crazy and they're all young kids there like they it's like i don't know it was it I feel like that show, at least like talking to the other people here to that that show kind of set the tone of like, well, this is what we should do here. Like we need to just do more mixed bills. Like because every band had a good reaction. Like we we definitely sounded the, the most out of place on the show out of anyone. And like people like everyone seemed to be having a good time tour. Like I think that really solidified let's start doing this more. And then since then, a lot of the shows have been mixed build shows. And over the last year, you know, year and a half, maybe two years now, I'm really bad with like math on top of my head, but you're seeing a lot of those kids now that weren't, you know, air quotes, hardcore kids then that are now showing up in like hardcore shirts and like dancing and like, coming to shows that don't have like death metal bands on them or whatever they're just they're going to the hardcore shows now and like they're kind of transitioning at least to me into more just like self-identifying like hardcore kids and i think that's sick like obviously you can you should listen to all different types of music but hardcore honestly is the sickest thing so i'd i'd yeah you know like I remember like being younger and like being really into like, you know, saying like punk and like new metal and shit. But once I like discovered hardcore, I was like, this is way cooler than all this other stuff. And like, definitely like that was like, okay, this is the personality trait that I'm fucking with now. And 
we're kind of like we're noticing that more with like a lot of the younger kids here like that clear shift over time and it's there you know i've always been kind of uh gatekeeper-esque in that like things that i'm into i kind of want to stay like underground and cool or whatever but like as i've gotten older like there's two things that i'm super into that i that i like seeing be more mainstream like the vegan thing has like obviously blown up in the last like 15 years and i'm i've been a vegan for about that many years so i'm excited to you know see more people adopt that lifestyle but like hardcore even like you know going back like 20 years or so when it was starting to really get popular it was like oh man you know what the fuck but now like as you see more people getting into it and especially like you being a band and me having a podcast and me like booking shows again next year like obviously we want to see this grow i mean my only concern is like i don't want to see like people get into it for like the wrong reason per se and then only be here for like a stepping stone or whatever you know what i'm saying like because it seems like with hardcore getting bigger like i feel like certain people are going to see like bands like code orange and turnstile are perfect examples of bands that like started off as small hardcore bands and now they're huge you know what i mean like i don't want people to be like oh well we could do that too and then like they just use the underground for like a year or two and like you know what i'm saying like it just i don't know what i like well, some of my friends here, I don't even think they've published an episode yet, but they, they have like a metalcore podcast that they're, that they're doing, but it's very specifically of like a, a certain era of metalcore. And we we're, I did a thing with them the other day. We were talking, we were going through all these like, kind of like, like the whole, when they were like, oh, this is like, I think they called like, like, fuck, what was it? Like the new wave of like American heavy metal or whatever that they were calling it. And like, unearth and as lay dying and like all those bands like broke through and just the amount of like third and fourth tier metalcore bands that popped up after that were like we're listening to some of the records like this band clearly has no clue what hardcore is and they just heard as lay dying and these sound like just like metal dudes that were like oh we're gonna mimic this and we're gonna throw breakdowns in there because we think like that's what people want and like the amount of unnecessary like soloing and stuff like this this is all derivative of something that isn't like core related at all but um i kind of like how that like that fills it out really quickly i feel and i kind of think that like that'll probably happen within hardcore you know i think that you're gonna have some people that like i don't even necessarily necessarily think it's gonna be people starting bands but i think you're more so gonna see like we'll just say like industry types kind of snooping around, like picking, like kind of doing, I guess, like their market research into like what bands could pop and why and kind of giving these bands pushes where like one thing like, so like Wooly's like Turnstile, for example, without like beating that to a dead horse if like everyone does, but like, they still regard like i don't know it's i'm trying to think the right way to where i was talking with my friend the other day about this there's nothing wrong with like moving beyond hardcore if you're like a hard if like you're from hardcore like i think like i think foo fighters fucking rock and they're a great band and they have footing in hardcore and I think a lot of the like the coolest rock bands, I think, have some sort of footing within punk or hardcore. And I think that that carries over into how you like conduct your band and how you treat people and whatnot. And I think that with Turnstile, like, like I think if you have these bands that like break through and put people onto guitar music, because guitar music hasn't been cool for a very long time. 
like good guitar music. I think that they'll conduct their bands in ways to where even if like they grow beyond like they I mean they already have but like even further you know like to a lot of people like oh they're just like a rock band or they're just like a punk band or whatever I think they'll do it in a way to where it's not like cringy like they still put on for hardcore and like I think they're still going to want to play like smaller shows like when they can because if you're coming from this scene you're going to miss that intimate aspect of like you know being a singer in a hardcore band the, the, the coolest thing is not having to sing like having someone else do it and like just like jumping around and shit but um yeah I mean I think that I think at least to me there's a lot of big business aspects that are already like infiltrating hardcore that I personally don't fuck with and I think is really weird but I also think that's at least to me it almost feels like more of a generational thing as opposed to like oh these bands are getting big now so like I just kind of think that depending on your entry point to hardcore I think some of the ethos is going to be different and I think that that's why it's imperative at least to me to like you, you'll hear a lot of stories that everyone had like that old head you know friend or whatever like that like put you on the stuff I think that's more important now than ever to like because you know m- most old heads at least to me are fucking dumb and annoying and weird and like out of touch but there are ones that understand it and I think it's imperative for those ones to like pass on the wisdom of and it's kind of crazy too like when I was 18 I made friends with this guy who's like 21 who like he felt light years older than to me like he like he had like a big boy job had money like um was he'd always be traveling at flying out to shows and stuff and like he just seemed light years older than me, but I'm like, you're only like three years older than me. Like that's, but to our, I don't know. I think that like, I don't know if you've noticed it, but younger bands having booking agents that don't need booking agents that have publicists and all this other shit where I'm like, just do it yourself. That's the coolest thing about hardcore is it's totally tangible for you to do that. Like talking with friends who have been in like, non-hardcore bands touring and then the comparison to like touring as a hardcore band they're like it's night and day different like it's so easy to like book a hardcore tour and have it be like you'll break even like or at the very least the shows are going to be cool you know like you might lose some money but like the shows are going to be cool whereas like booking like an indie tour or something like that or like be just being in like guess like a, a rock band and then just like the amount of horror stories I've heard from friends, like doing those kind of tours to where I'm like, yeah, if you're in a hard command, you should, and like, unless you're trying to be like, I kind of think unless you're trying to do it like full time and make a career out of it, which is kind of weird in itself, you should just do everything yourself. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't like all these people that are doing this now as jobs, like booking agents and like managers, like they got all those skills from doing it themselves. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely weird to see. I mean, 
I feel like the publicist thing has kind of been around for a while because that, that's something with the podcast that we, we've been talking about because I used to, I did a fanzine years ago and like a lot of the labels had them and I don't know I get what you're saying though definitely the DIY is definitely the way to go and well even like with um, a label I think that makes sense you know like because I mean at the end of the day it's like it's not a business but it is a business you know what I mean like you're not trying to like lose money like if you can break even or like make money that's great but like you don't want to lose money you know so I think but I'm saying like I just hear about a lot of like bands having publicists where I'm like that's wild like if you're if you're on a label that has a publicist like yeah that makes sense like of course they're going to be pushing you like why wouldn't they or you'll but, see a band with like a thousand followers on Instagram and it'll say like management and booking and like six other things. And you're yeah, like, that, you guys to me, that's that? like, like, that's true local band energy. Like, honestly, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you've played four shows. No one was there. Of course you have all this stuff. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So I guess speaking of bands, we'll get into Rejection Pact uh, momentarily, but I'm just curious, uh, like, have you been like actively playing in bands pretty much the whole time you've been in Boise then too? Uh, off and on. So I had, I sang in a band called Composure. That was the band I started when I first moved here. We were around for like a year, year and a half. Like we played cool shows, like, cause at the time that's when I was helping, I, I was booking shows sometimes. Like, I think the coolest show we played, our first show was with Trash Talk and Modern Life is War. That was fun. Um, the last two shows we played i think was i booked have heart and verse a house show we played with them and then we played with kids like us in a garage like um at my friend's house in their driveway but like because at the time when we first started the event we were like the only hardcore band here or no sorry not only one but we were like the only new one i should say until where um kind of when they're looking for like locals like we kind of we were lucky we could get on like almost everything and then if we were if i was booking the show i would like honestly looking like looking at their locals I'm like yeah we're just gonna play like <laughs> but um and then charlie our drummer and i were in a band called alone and we did that for like a year and a half around like 2013 or 2014 something around it was like mid 2010s and we did that band for, I guess, like a year, probably a year and a half, two years. And then Rejection Pact is basically what we, what him and I wanted alone to sound like. Because even like, where we were pulling from the same like influence well, more or less for that band as we are for this band. But that band, Cooks in the Kitchen wise, had a, a few more different influences coming in from different places, whereas like, with this band it was much more like this is specifically what we're going for like we're not really going to necessarily deviate from that a whole lot like we'll build off of that but we're like we're not like trying to like incorporate these other influences into the band now you reference a house show a driveway show like so were you guys doing a lot of like diy type shows up until recently or um so during that era, I guess saying we had the Boise venue, but like once people started going to like, like I was saying, people like the turn, turnouts for shows dropped drastically. So that venue kind of stopped booking hardcore shows unless it was like a big package tour 
and that was the type of thing where it wouldn't even be a hardcore tour. It'd be like, oh, here's a metalcore tour, and they might have a hardcore band on it. Like I remember seeing TUI with Every Time I Die, which is really crazy because like that was right when they were like blowing the fuck up. And I feel like me and three other people were the only people to show that knew who they were. And I'm like, this is insane. Like I saw this band a year before and like they were headlining like a show and they're the opener. And like saying how you're saying earlier, like the, the very, like the kind of gatekeeper S aspect of hardcore. Like I loved at that show that it felt like this is for me. This isn't for everyone else at the show. I know about this. I'm way cooler than all you other fucking losers here. Like, um, but no, we for so once they stopped booking like most show like hardcore shows, all the shows at that point basically became DIY. Like, I most of the shows I saw here probably from two thousand and seven, like end of two thousand seven up to like two thousand twelve. Most of those were house shows. Like every now and then you'd catch a random show at the venue, you know, like I was saying, it's like an opener, some sort of package tour. But um, yeah, it was kind of just like, that was the norm. And I think that, at least to me, I like, I love house shows and I think that they're really cool, but I definitely think that deters younger people from going, you know, like even like, even being an adult and like going to a house show, like depending on where it's at, if it's not like, like there was a there was a, a punk house down the street from me that was doing shows like mid 2010s and I felt weird going to every show there because I wasn't friends with the people that ran that house and most of the shows that they booked were not like they there were lots of bands I liked that played there but the vibe was not my vibe per se to where like I felt weird every time walking into the backyard and walking into that house and like going to a show there but we've had one the thing with Boise and I think this is like definitely like a problem for a lot of smaller we'll say like B and C list market cities is venue consistency you know like you're saying oh we don't like with all ages shows here where you're at we we've had consistent bar venues since I've lived here that are still open, that were open then, that they're open now. We have, I feel like y'all had the knitting factory out there in like New York, right? I don't that know. Was York, that was New York City. I feel like yeah, I, I might have like... seen one. I think there might have been one. I might have seen one show there. Uh, I don't want to say the band because they're semi canceled at this point in their careers what have you but that was like 2008-ish I think I think that was Knitting Factory I'm not sure but anyways go on we, like we Sorry. have the knitting we have the Knitting Factory here they don't really do like every now and then they'll get like a hardcore punk show like but it's that's not like that's not like the norm for them so but we've had this one venue the Shredder that, that's been like the one consistent venue like usually if we've had venues pop up they'll be open for a year or two they realize there's no real money in this unless you're serving alcohol, you know, the shredder is an all ages venue. They do serve alcohol and they've been open. I feel like for at least I say I booked a show there or I helped book a show there in 2011. And that was, I think the first show that the venue wasn't even open yet. Like they didn't have a stage yet. It was more or less like a concrete room, but we knew that like it was going to be a venue 
And I remember we had a show fall through the venue was supposed to be at. And so like hit the dude up last minute and let us see less out there. But um, that's been the one consistent venue, like basically 90, I'll say 95% of shows here are at that venue now. Yeah. Like I said, I'm getting back into, I, I booked one show over the summer and next year I'm going to, well, this year, I guess, as this airs, I'm going to be booking a bunch of shows. And that's my one concern is I talked to the one venue and I was like, so we can do 16 plus, right? And she was like, well, it's usually 18. And I've seen other flyers advertised at that place for 16, but even 16, it's like, there might be those couple kids. Like I'm 41, so I'm not going to be recruiting any teenagers to come to any shows by any means. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? But yeah, I still want, I still want them to be able to go obviously, because, you know, I was uh, fucking 14, 15, when I discovered all this nonsense that I'm still actively seeking out now, many years later, you know, so I definitely want to be able to hand it down. So it's definitely, you know, we'll I, feel figure like it out. Now, I feel like now more than ever that but if you would have a couple of years ago, the likelihood I would have thought there'd be even a seven, a 16 year old, a hardcore show would, I'd be like fairly unlikely, like, to be honest. Whereas I feel like now the likelihood to have a 12 or 13 year old show really isn't that far fetched, especially depending on like what part of the country you're in. You know what I mean? To where I think just having the option for like, for them to be included, I think like, is important, you know? Yeah, being a dad now having the, the idea of having kids that young going to shows makes me a little nervous. So, um, all right, I guess we've been kind of slowly talking about the band a little bit. Um, I definitely want to talk about the record and whatnot. Um, but obviously, I'm assuming a lot of my listeners probably aren't super familiar with you guys. So let's kind of take it back and just kind of tell me like how Rejection Pack uh, formed and we'll just kind of go from there, I guess. So, um, sorry, one second. Um, we formed, I want to say fall. So Ralph and Charlie, Charlie, our drummer, Ralph, our bass player, they were in a rock band called Step Brothers. And I was, they had been, I forget how many years they'd been in a band at that point, but like, um, they like, I was on a tour with them, like just like a Northwest tour. And they were like, decided like, we're they, they knew they were breaking up. And it was kind of like, this is our last little run we're doing. And like, I'd been in bands with Charlie before, but that was the first time that I really, like, I knew Ralph, but we never like really hung out, you know? And that was the first time we were all hanging out and we all got along really well. And we kind of started talking like, oh, it'd be cool to start like a hardcore band. Like Charlie and I would always talk about, oh, we should do this type of band or that type of band. Like, it'd be cool. Like even just like, let's just record a demo, you know, like we'll put it out. Like, maybe we'll find people to be in the band after type thing. Cause he can play every instrument. And then, so we were all, you know, yucking it up and getting along. And then, so it's kind of decided, okay, let's, when we get back, cause this was, I think it was in August of that summer. Like when we get back, let's actually like write a demo or something. And I was hiking with um, my friend, Nathan, and I was telling him about it, and then he was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, could I possibly try out on guitar? You know, I've, he just gotten out of a long-term relationship, and he's um, he's played guitar forever, but he's like, I've never actually been in, like, a band. Like, you know, I, like, he, 
he like listens to a, like a lot of like hardcore and punk and stuff. He was just, like, I've just never been in a band, you know, like I kind of, at this point, like, I feel, I feel like I should do it. Like, cause he's the same age as me. He's like, he's just like getting out of a long-term relationship, you know, like I, just, I feel like I should do this. Like I have this free time on my hands now. And I was like, yeah, man, sure. Like, you know, this is kind of like the, I think at the time I, the band, I, I said, I think we're going to try to, we're going for like a carry on sound. I think it was like my reference point at the time. And he was like, okay, sick. Yeah, I'm down with that. And then we got together because Charlie and Ralph already had a practice space and everything. And it like clicked for us. Cause like Nathan knew Ralph and Charlie, but I don't think he'd ever really hung out with them either. But, um, we got together, we started jamming, we wrote, we recorded our demo in 2007, like November of 2017, put it out in January of like 2018. But we'd, we'd written in the span of, I think, two or three months, like eight or nine songs. Like we recorded, like, I forget how many we've recorded, but we put five or six out on the demo. And then we played our first show in January we played our second show with Pennywise, which was crazy. Like it was at the knitting factory. It was like a huge show, but like, I remember I hit up, I hit up the venue when I saw it got announced and it was just like, I emailed them like, it's like a kind of jerk off email. Like, Hey, you know, like we'd love to play blah, blah, blah. Like if you need a local opener, you know, we're like fast. You know, I think that like people that would go to the show would definitely fuck with it. And they're like, Oh, we don't need any local support. You know, thanks. So I'm like, all right, it's fine. No worries. You know, some, if something changes, you know, just let me know. And then the week of the show, they emailed me. I'm like, hey, do you guys still want to play? And we were like, yeah. And like, well, can you do pre-sales? And we're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. But like, we'll play. And then they're like, okay, that's fine. But um, so then like we rushed to get like shirts printed. And we like, luckily, I think Ralph or Charlie had a tape duplicator. So we pressed some copies of our demo really quickly. And um, that was crazy. You know, like a lot of local punk bands got real big mad at us about that for playing because we hadn't like earned it or whatever and I'm like we literally sent them an email I'm sorry that you guys don't know how to do that or whatever like <laughs> it like we didn't grease like I literally just hit them up and asked like you guys could have done the same thing but um yeah we just kind of kept writing at that point we um we I th- we recorded our seven inch that summer ourselves like we did everything ourselves on that and then um trying to, I don't remember when we got linked up with Safe Inside. It was like at some point that summer, I think. That seven inch is on that's on Safe Inside too though, right? The seven inch? Yeah. yeah. So like we had already like had it. I want to say by the time we were talking with them, we already had it done. And we we're just planning on self-releasing it. Like because it's 10 songs, so we wrote it like an album. Or, you know, but we, we didn't expect anyone to, like, physically put it out. So we were just like, yeah, we're going to put out an album. Like, it's fine. And, um, like, we did a tour that summer. We did, like, a Northwest tour that summer. But then um, when they whenever they hit us up, they go, we've had, like, I forget the exact number, but the email went something along the lines of, we've been told by, like, numerous people to, like, your name keeps coming up. Like, oh my God, that's, that's crazy. That's sick. Cool. And they're like, 
you know, do you have any plan? Like, do you have any music? Blah, blah. And we're like, oh, actually, we have an LP or an album that we just recorded. But, like, we were just going to put it out ourselves, probably on tape or whatever. But then they're like, well, we'll put it out as a seven inch. Like, you know, it's short enough, it'll all fit on a seven inch. And so we were like, cool, sick. But so we put that out in April of 2019. We did a West Coast tour, like, I think the next month. And then we did a Western Canada tour two months after, like a couple months after that during the summer. And then we had a bunch of cool stuff lined up when COVID happened. Like we were, we were supposed to play some fests and shit. And then obviously none of that happened, but um, I don't know. It's cool. I mean, I think, sorry, that was, a, that was a lot of word vomit of like the band, but um. Yeah, no, like we just kind of when we started the band, because like Ralph and Charlie like have very much like a punk background, or more like punk leaning, like hardcore, you know. To where when we started the band, we definitely we wanted it to always be fast. Well, Nathan is actually he like all the hardcore he likes is like fast hardcore, but we we wanted the band like we're always like the songs have to be fast like they're not gonna be like they're not we're not none of our songs are gonna like drag like at all and we're gonna be pulling specifically from northwest hardcore mid to late 2000s sound as well as like rivalry records and like kind of just the whole like early like early bridge nine like death wish like um like, I know we've gotten comparisons to, like, some locking out stuff, which I'm like, that makes sense. Like, we like that shit, so, I mean, I'm sure that, like, comes through. And then, like, some, like, you know, like, Young Blood Records type stuff. Like, just really pulling from, like, we'll say 2004 to 2008 is really, like, what we're pulling from. And um, ever since we started the band, we always, we made it very apparent that we, like, wanted our songs to be about stuff i mean that sounds kind of like i guess like vague but we didn't want to have songs about like ex-girlfriends and like the scene like the scene and like you know like just a lot i guess like hardcore like i mean we do have some stuff on our older songs where it's like that's inescapable (laughs) playing in a hardcore like you're gonna have but we definitely, ever since the demo, we're like, we want more often than not our songs to like be about things outside of hardcore. And that wants to be, we wanted that to be like more of a focal point of the band. What's I weird think. is most of the bands that you remind me of, which are all early 2000s bands, are all bands that like weren't singing about like being stabbed in the back or like had like serious lyrical topics, you know, like a lot of the bands you mentioned and then. Like I said, I hear I, I it's funny because I kind of had in my mind like what you guys influences were. And then I heard the interview you did on that other podcast and you started talking about all, all the rivalry bands. And I was like, well, I guess I could see that, too. In the Northwest obviously makes sense because you're from there. But I think a lot of these bands that I'm, I'm more thinking of were probably influencing those other bands like like Suicide File, obviously. And even with the more melodic stuff on the newer album, I think even Bane to a certain extent, too. You know what I mean? So Bane and then, definitely. I specifically know Bane for the new record 
Yeah. I want to that. Yeah, I think I could be wrong, but I feel like so for this record, um, Charlie wrote some of, some of the part the guitar stuff for the new record, and I feel like him and I were talking about Bane as he was writing. He's like, I've been listening to a lot of Bane lately. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely because I mean even like uh, not give blood, but the one before that, it all comes down to this is when they more started experimenting with like just like different sounds and melodies yeah. and. You know, had like some clean parts here and there, which I noticed you guys had a couple of those too. So I it's, think it makes sense. I think, last, I think their last record's their best record, personally. Like, I when I was younger, I mean, like, I never hated Bane, but they kind of to me, like, for a while, felt like they were the hardcore band that like metalcore kids liked. You know, and then I I knew they felt like. They felt like the band that like seen kids that wanted to seem cool wore the zip up Bane hoodie, you know, really dating myself with these like (laughs) reference points. But um, like I had Bane records and like I kind of got them. because I was like, oh, like I'm supposed to like this because I like all these other bands that sound like Bane. But it just never really stuck with me, per se. But then when the last record they put out came out, that's the one that clicked. And then when I went back, I'm like, I liked all the older records. Like, I just, like, heard it differently at that point. And I'm like, okay, this is actually really sick. Like, um, they rock. Like, I'm, um, Charlie and I's old band got to play with Bane. That show was really cool. Like, like on their last, like, Northwest. The, la- the last tour that lasts, like, two years or whatever. But um, got to play with them when they were up here. But, yeah, I mean, like, Suicide File for me is, like, a big band for me. Like personally, I really like them. I think that, um, I think that's interesting too. Like, because for us, like, it's kind of weird. Like, the Northwest is such like a pocket, you know. And I don't like, like, so I'll say our number one biggest influence is Go Alone, like, big time. And to us, especially like more so, I think more so to me just because I'm a couple years older than Charlie. But um, that band was, like, so pivotal to me. And, like, they felt, to me, like, the biggest band. But I kind of think, like, they were very much, like, I know they were pop, like, they toured and stuff, and I think that they were popular, but, like, they were very much, like, a regional thing. I think in comparison to, like, some of the other bands from that era. And then, um, you know, like, that's like one of my favorite things is like when people will like, oh, your band reminds me of this, this, or this. And I feel like some sometimes it's very much like some of the stuff like I hear that, and some of the times it's like I I wouldn't hear that on like thinking it, but I'm like, I I can hear how you how like this person might have gotten to that point. But I'm like, that's crazy. Like that's cool. Like that, that's what like that's like I guess like your reference point. Like um like on the new record there's a lot of parts that were like influenced by propaganda and i mean i like them i'm not like a big propaganda head but like charlie and ralph and nathan are obsessed with them and they're like oh this sounds like a propaganda part i'm like i don't know what that means but that's cool like i like this part it sounds it sounds sick but um yeah i don't know just like 
especially like from when we started the band to now i don't really think that that's an like the band the influences that we're, we're that we're pulling from i don't think a lot like there are bands that are currently doing it but i don't think by and large there's that many especially when we started the band i don't think there was like barely anyone that was doing that to where i feel like it really felt like before covid like more melodic faster hardcore was like about to be the it, it felt like we were talking like it felt like it was going to be like one of the next big waves that was like gonna happen like all right really heavy hardcore like had its thing like metalcore the metalcore revival kind of feel like that already feels like it's like past this feels like it's the next logical thing that's gonna happen you know half hard got back together you got all sorts of people that were like reinvigorated with that stuff and then COVID happened and then death metal came out of that and like whatnot but um because i remember at the time we're like all right well fuck yeah like we've been on this tip way before a lot of other current bands were like this is gonna be awesome like we have no aspirations of like being big but we're like it'll just be cool like when p- people are looking at current bands like we'll be one of the like bands that was, like has been doing this for a second you know yeah that 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 death metal thing was crazy we, i could like i said i'm from rochester and an undeath had pretty much just started <laughs> around that time and now it's like you can't look at like a top 10 list or a fucking like like anybody's photography from the last six months like they've been everywhere i i'm personally not a huge fan of like anything with like like those kind of vocals or whatever you know those dudes are cool and like they're good musicians or whatever but it's just not really my style but um, yeah i don't i don't give a shit about most death metal to be like i went um i went to like a big death metal show like show over the summer and like the vibe was cool like it was i had seen there's people there i hadn't seen in years i'm kind of like i was kind of like the fuck made you come to this show like you stopped going to hardcore shows a long fucking time ago like that's crazy like the and these are all like new current bands like i just wanted to go up and ask like why are you here how did you hear about this like what made you want to come back but um yeah it's kind of interesting how that kind of really like it makes at least to me it makes sense from the whole like Oh, we have a lot of younger people that were probably into like deathcore and stuff like that, you know, like this, at least on like paper or whatever, like this seems cooler than any of like all that deathcore shit was like mad corny. But it's just kind of interesting because even like I still love a lot of like metalcore and shit like that. I always hated when those bands did like low vocal, like when they was like when they, when they would do like the flat out like metal vocals i'm like this is so goofy like just yell and like just sound mean like and angry like don't you don't need to sound like a metal dude or a metal singer you know yeah i love i love the first few hatebreed records and pretty much every terror record but i that's as far that's about as close to the low vocals as i can really get like even like what people refer to as like beat down and, and crap like that i'm like I like watching people go off, but the music is, this is not really my thing, but I do kind of wonder, uh, it seems like, uh, rap core is like a real, a real thing in hardcore now. Like, is that going to pop off now? Like, 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 uh, there's at least a few bands like legitimately mixing rap with hardcore now. Like it's crazy. I'd never seen that before really, except for like it's maybe. Wild. Cool, you know? Um, Charlie and I are we'll say huge new metal hit like i love new metal like that was like 
that was my first like big like that was the first subgenre that I really like dove into. And so him and I like him and I like jerk off pretty hard about a lot of that stuff, but a lot of that stuff for me is like pure nostalgia, you know? Like I don't care. Like he keeps up with current like he's like, Yo, you've heard this band? I'm like, no, I haven't. And he'll send it to me. I'm like, this does nothing for me at, at this point in my life. Like it's not bad. I'm like, I don't like just I just this is not what I'm looking for at this point. But I do think that so like him like you know, like gridiron, you know, like that like that's what I was gonna say because I personally, no offense too, but I've never listened to new metal. Like, and I and I'm not like I'm not here to judge anybody who does or doesn't. I've, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and like bands being influenced in hardcore by new metal now and whatnot. That's fine too. Yeah. But I just want to make sure that you knew that I was I was more referring to like yeah, like Red yeah. Iron. And well, no, like a couple other bands up like that now too. We're um when that record came out, he like I made her the old stuff. He sent to me. He's like, Yo, man, this is straight up. This is like rap metal. It's awesome. Like, get. He's like. Just give this a listen. I listen to it. I'm like, this isn't really my thing, but I'm like, this is very, very well done for what this is. And like, I fully understand if someone likes this, I'm not gonna, I wouldn't make fun of someone for liking this. Like this may like, and then like when we played with them in Tulsa, I'm like, this is a very well-oiled, like, and I didn't even know. So, I mean, I know now, but that band Rock Bottom or whatever, the singer of Gridiron sang on, I think the second Rock Bottom EP and that was the rock bottom EP that I loved and it had it it had a lot of rap swagger to the vocals and so like once I read that I'm like oh this this actually this this is all lining up and like makes sense but yeah I think that again I think that I said it before but like I think more now than ever I think you're going to see people because again, hardcore is fucking cool. All right. I think you're going to see the, the wiggle room of what you can define as hardcore even more. I'm not even, and I'm not even mad about that. Like I don't fucking care at this point, as long as like you have, I mean, it's always been to an extent. It's always been like, Oh, ethos over like sound, I think. But I think now even more you're going to see the sonic delineation of what is hardcore get way looser. And I think that you're going to like, there's nothing cool about like being a new metal band now. You know what I mean? Like you're not seeing any new bands come out that are new metal that pop. Like no one cares. Like, but if you could play rap metal or new metal or whatever, but you're a bunch of people from the hardcore scene, there's nothing embarrassing about liking that. You know what I mean? I think that that's going to happen more. Like, I, I don't know. Like, that's like one thing I love about our band. It's like, it's very much like we are a hardcore band. We sound like a, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people reference the new record as like, oh, this is like no frills hardcore. Which to me, I'm like, that's wild because I feel like we're pulling in a lot of stuff that like, to me, feels very frilly in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I'm like, I totally get that. I, I get 
that um, compare or description. And I think that at least for me and like, I'm not going to speak. I think most people in the band would agree, but like, we really like that. It just, we're just sound like a hardcore band. Like it's not you. It's very much like on the nose of what it's going for. It's not, we're not trying to like mix in all these, like we'll say third party influences where it becomes so far removed from what it actually even is. You know, like I love, I love like, I think experimentation and like music is really cool. And I think that without that, you wouldn't have, you know, I, I love youth crew, but I'll talk shit about, I'll talk shit on youth crew all day long because it's one of the most like derivative forms of hardcore, you know, and it doesn't like, like I was listening to youth today the other day and I was like, God, this is so fucking sick. But I also don't want to listen to any bands that just sound like this. Like, in 2022 like I just don't care like take that sound and like piggyback off of it and do something a little different and that'll be cool and I think that um I think with the current space of hardcore I think that it feels like you're going to be seeing more of that and I'm very much into that aspect of where the sound of the scene is going but to, to circle back I think I think you're gonna see way more new metal personally but yeah, I think you're right about that. I think you already kind of have been. Um, again, I, I don't like I don't personally care. It's not really my cup of tea. I don't really name the bands ever, but I know there's at least a few. Uh, so but I guess, again, like do you like when you hear hardcore bands that are influenced by new metal as somebody who like listened to new metal before, like, do you like that kind of stuff? Or are you more just like I'd rather just hear a hardcore band? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mostly will go. This is not for me. But at the same time, I'm like, I think with like, anyone that's like been around for a while, I think like, because I used to be the biggest fucking hater. I mean, I still, I'm I'm definitely still a hater on most things. But it's like, I keep that shit to like, the group chat, to <laughs> amongst friends. Like, I'm not putting that out publicly because that's just like, it's not a good vibe. It's not a good energy. Like if this is, if you know, this band or this thing isn't for me, that's fine. I, you know, it could be for this person or that person. Like if they get something enjoyment out of it, awesome. You know what I mean? And I think that, um, yeah, it's just like at this, honestly, at this point, like, so our, our one of our guitar our other guitar player Hunter he's like I don't know his exact I think he's like twenty six I feel like I should know his age but like I just know he's like definitely like younger like way younger than like the rest of us in the band and him and I all talk about music a lot so I'm always like you ever heard this band and he's like no that was before my time and they were they're not like I love when like you'll have bands where when they were in their heyday they felt like they were huge but then like you know the sands of time it's like they really weren't that like relevant or they didn't have like a lasting impact on hardcore but so him i'll always be showing him bands and then he'll show me like newer bands and stuff or like we'll be just discussing newer bands where it's like he'll he'll love it and i'm like this isn't for me but i get why you like that like this band reminds you of this and this and this band 
and I loved them when I was like 20 or you know what I mean to where I'm like I'm not this band's intended like this newer band I'm not their intended audience so like I'm not gonna hate on it it's just like it's not for me like I get way more excited I feel like at this point about like like the more like adjacent stuff as opposed to like straight up hardcore and even like when we played that fest in Tulsa act like you know that like so the lineup was so diverse in terms like it hit there was something there for literally every type of micro scene subgenre within all under the the guys of like hardcore um and it kind of like watching it was kind of interesting like seeing people in we'll just seeing someone in a lock and out shirt spin kicking to a a slam metal band or whatever i'm like that's bizarro as hell to me but at the same time i'm like well when i was younger i loved fucking like ed gein and then i loved chain of strength and then i loved fucking some goofy myspace metal band that i thought was funny and they just had like breakdowns and then I loved like a day to remember or whatever to where I'm like, okay, it actually makes sense that these younger, like these younger kids at the show are going off to all these different bands that all sound like very different and are from, it's like, are definitely not the same whatsoever. And then, so I'm like, that's cool. Actually. Like that makes sense. You know, like when I was younger, I was in everything, these younger kids, they're in everything. So where I kind of just think that's like a, a normal thing you know i think that because even then i was getting dunked on by like my older friends of being like yeah this shit sucks man like here go listen to these bands like this other stuff you're listening to is garbage like you know what i mean and to where i don't know i think that i kind of got derailed but yeah i just think that you know shit's interesting right now i guess i think that Shout out, to, shout out to Ed Gein though. Syracuse represent. I booked those guys a ton of times back yeah, in the Ed day. Gein. Shout out oh, to Hex yeah. Records, Ryan Hex, old friend. Yeah, that's that's cool. You're coming up on those guys. I I saw them play here before I moved. The summer I visited, they played. Band was definitely way better live, I thought. And then I showed one of my friends them recently, like a younger friend, and I'm like, "You ever fucked with this band, Ed Gein?" And he was like. I've heard the name, but I've never actually listened to them. I'm like, well, you're a hater. You like to ruffle people's feathers. So I think you'll like their lyrics. <laughs> and I sent him the first record. And I'm like, this is, in my opinion, the better one out of all the records. And then, like, he was, like, reading through. He's like, this is fucking crazy. Like, that they're, like, these are very, like, fuck you lyrics. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. And then he like listened to him like he's like this is actually really sick thanks like i had never actually checked these guys out before to where um yeah i mean i think that i think there's a lot of i, I mean everything within hardcore i feel like it's just like an homage to like the generation you know someone you're either pulling like barely anything's actually like unique or like new you know so i think that everything just like recycles itself and i think that 
if there's a band like current a current band or current bands that aren't your thing that's okay because it'll probably be someone else's thing and there's always going to be a band for whatever style you like you just have to dig for it it might not be what's cool at the moment you know so i guess circle them back to the record i know we keep getting off on these tangents about uh slam metal and the 55 different uh sub that can be considered hardcore at any given time um so again i know you guys got uh slowed up with the pandemic and whatnot um were you guys already like working on the record like before all that or yeah so we had written almost half the record before the world shit the bed we um the initial plan was do an east coast tour we're gonna end the tour i think in chicago we're gonna drive out to chicago like i think we're gonna start the northeast and like work our way and then end the tour in chicago and then we were gonna record the record in chicago and then come home and then i would do vocals here um that didn't happen and then so once we realized that oh this is going to be like the new normal for like indefinitely you know what i mean like okay let's finish like let's just take our time to write so then kind of like what a lot of other bands i'm sure did we would have an idea we would post it in the group chat someone would take it and like add to it but um we were fortunate enough most of us at the time just started like you know we were able to work fully remote and i feel like especially at the beginning we were very covid um what's the word right way for like phrasing um we we're very risk averse of like we didn't like living in like the state of idaho where covid was more like a yeah it's a thing like yeah there's covid we have there's covid and that was it like you know i remember when i had friends that came that traveled through at different points during the pandemic that were like you know it feels like no one in idaho even gives a fuck about covid and i'm like it's not really a thing i mean our cases are very high here per capita but you know they don't give a fuck but um we just did a lot of writing remotely to where because like so many of us were working at home like we felt comfortable like when like we weren't like constantly getting in a room together but it was kind of like all right well one like we feel comfortable enough like we'll none of us are like out fucking around doing a bunch of other stuff like we're just chilling at home so when we do get in a room together we're gonna like be as efficient as possible like we like we'd get together and we'd write like two or three songs like we had like mo- like the bulk of the ideas were done before we even got together so it was more like okay we're gonna get in a room now and we're actually just gonna like piece the song fully together and like you know maybe write like the little like um transitions and stuff clean those up but like we wrote basically half the record remotely and then ha- we, we had the first half done um before everything and like I don't know it's weird like we because so hunter we wrote the seven inch we were a four piece hunter joined our band on second guitar because we always wanted a second guitar player just because it obviously always just sounds better but um nathan couldn't do a tour that we were going to do so we had hunter 
like, oh, do you want to fill in? Like, he can't do it. Yeah, sure. And then we ended up getting, like, we all knew him, but we never, like, really hung out with him. And we all got along with him really well. I'm like, oh, you just want to be in the band. Like, we've wanted a second guitar player. Like, this just seems like a natural, like, fit. And he was like, yeah, I'm down. And Hunter's in, like, fuck, I think he's in, like, four bands right now. Three. He's in a bunch. But, um, yeah, so we wrote, got the record done. We ended up that summer demo tracking the whole thing ourselves. Like, Charlie is a fucking musical whiz like at the practice space we were using at the time he had built a studio in there and like that's where we tracked the seven inch and stuff but so we ended up tracking the entire album like demo tracked it that was very hard for me personally because i had never sang on a single one of the songs by the time we tracked it so that was very much a trial trial by i guess trial by fire situation so, did you did you have lyrics written already for all the songs though, or were you writing them like as they were like you know what i mean we um so that was an, the nice thing with we weren't on like a time constraint you know with the record so we really had time to sit with the lyrics i think this was the longest i spent writing lyrics to where we started tracking the record in august and i want to say like, I had rough ideas for, like, some of the songs that we had already written, you know? But once we were finally, like, all right, we're writing the record, you know? Like, this is what this is what we're doing now since we're not playing shows or anything. Um, I had, um, I'd have, like, cell phone recordings of some songs, but I don't remember how many I had done, but I had, like, probably two-thirds done. And then once they demo tracked all of the instruments, then I sat there, you know, with the songs and then finished writing them. But then what I would do, and this was really helpful, is I'd go over to Charlie's house and we would listen to the demo tracks and we'd workshop all the lyrics at that point again to where we spent a lot of, not, I mean, we did, I guess we spent, we spent a lot more time than we ever had on lyrics and like we wanted the record was like, Oh, this is the record's going to have a cohesive theme. It's we want the songs to be about like, these are kind of like the key points of what the record's about. So we want all the songs to reflect that. Like we don't really want to deviate from that in any way. And so as we're going through, like we were being very intentional with like the lyrics and like, I remember him and I sitting at his kitchen table, like just like, reading through them over again, like, just, like, sitting there, like, just, like, spitballing stuff for an hour to come up with, like, one line, like, oh, we really like this line of the song now, like, because we wanted everything to rhyme as well, because, like, oh, it's going to be, we want it to be catchy, we want it to, like, be stuff that you get stuck in your head, we want it to all be very intentional to where we, like, we all like lyrics that rhyme, like, I feel like those are the ones that kind of just get stuck in your head a little more, and we want it to be not rhyming for the sake of rhyming as well, because that shit sucks, to where going through and just taking a lot of time on the lyrics so when it came to recording it it was just like when we did the seven inch and just in any other bands i've done anything that we recorded we had played as a band a bunch of times already so i like i just knew the song so whereas this was very much a part by part 
figuring it out as I was going. Like I had the lyrics done at that point, but like humming it in your head, you know, versus like doing it is two like way different things. But um, we did that. We were done, I think, tracking the demo or the LP like for ourselves at some point in September, I think. Like mid-September, I think like, we were done, but <laughs> wait you recorded this lp this year or last year then we demo tracked it fall 2020 we tracked it 2021 okay it's been written for a while yeah i know i know i know sitting on music's a common theme i interviewed some of the dudes from bent blue over the summer and i was i was surprised and I guess kind of not surprised too that it had been a year for them too, because I know there's with the vinyl even too, you know, yeah. you're, you're waiting for a while for that too. But jumping back to the lyrics, uh, I know you said you purposely made like certain themes and I can kind of tell what they are from listening to it a few times, but for people who haven't listened to it yet, kind of just give everybody kind of an idea what the, the album's about. So the record is, I guess in a nutshell, it's just about like America. Um, being that so being that we live in Idaho you know Boise is you know Boise is very like liberal which you know is fine but also like most liberals I shouldn't say most but there's a lot of really annoying liberals you know so it's like Everywhere else is like very Republican and conservative, you know? And I mean, I think that's like a symptom of like America. It's not like isolated. Like, even like you can go to the most fucking like blue state and there's hella fucking problems. And like, it's not, you know, but so we had like lyrically speaking, because we had half the songs written before, but I think like, and I mean, this is more so like internal stuff, but like I can look at the, the songs that we wrote during like the pandemic and specifically tell like, okay, I was, this was definitely going through my head and I was like very mad about these things. But, you know, some of like the key themes for the record is like fear and, you know, greed and like capitalism and like racism just like all like um trying to like break like in my we had this word doc that I like fucking wrote on and like dicked around with for like a year it's like in my head I'm like it's all like coming like all these bullet bullet points we had but yeah I mean the record's called can we wait it's like the whole it's supposed to be like sarcastic like can we wait like no like obviously not but yeah, I mean, the songs just kind of wrote about, like, how we were feeling, what, I think especially, like, during, like, COVID and, like, lockdown and all that shit, I think you saw a lot of, a lot of people's, I guess, like, true colors come out, you know, and, like, there's, like, the little George Floyd thing, and, like, just really seeing, like, where people's actual like personalities lie and like where they're like I guess like moral compass is aimed at and so we were very we were very very angry 
I mean, we still are, but like, I think especially at that time, just cause like, you know, everyone's lives, a lot of people's lives are so slowed down. You had actually had time to think about stuff and not, you weren't being like overworked and like so busy with like the day-to-day you actually had time to like sit there and think about things. And I remember like as a band, like we were getting very pissed off and frustrated about stuff and like, um, you know, just writing about that, you know, I think that at least for our band, like I kind of like alluded to it earlier, but we've always wanted to write songs that were about things outside of hardcore. And like, at least for us, when we were writing this record, I think, I think Charlie was talking about when we were in the studio, like, he's like, oh, you know, when I was younger, because Charlie's from a very, very small town in Idaho. Like, I don't know the exact population. I'll look it up right now as I'm talking, but um, it's a very, very small town population. He, where he's from has a population, in, two, in 2021, the population was 908 people. And he was talking, when we were recording, it was like, oh, you know, like, Strike Anywhere really put me on to a lot of, like, ideas and, like, ways of thinking that, like, and even his general, like, hardcore and, like, punk got him into stuff that, like, he might not have discovered otherwise, you know? And then so for us, we're like, we really want our band to kind of be the same thing where it's like, I don't think that anything we're writing about is anything new. And that's obviously a, that's a bigger, that's part of a bigger problem. Like the fact that you're still having to like talk about these things, but at the same time, like, oh, especially now more than ever, like hardcore being such a, a more younger person seen again, hey, if, you know, a younger person can like if this can put them onto these ideas and like put them toward like on this sort of path that's fucking awesome because that these like ideas and these like this way of thinking is should extend outside of the walls of hardcore and that's ultimately where you would want to go and then at the same time i don't think that older people and i say older people i could be like someone who's 25 you know like I think that people are always, I think people are always still learning and like, I don't know, like I've referenced before all, all the way that I am, like I'm very much like a repetitious person. Like I can hear something over and over again, but sometimes hearing it a scotch this way, that's a tiny, tiny bit different. will make it click, you know? And that was another thing with us was we're like, what we're saying isn't necessarily like reinventing the wheel, but it's like, this is like our way of saying it. And this is how we're feeling about it. And, you know, maybe someone will hear that and maybe they've heard, heard this type of sentiment before, but it didn't really click. But this hearing it this way, like resonates with them a different way. It clicks for them. And that makes them start thinking about this differently, or, you know, maybe it makes them want to like, look into the look into like these things or you know read this book or go fucking watch this document or whatever you know what i mean i think that i think everything is a potential jumping off point and i think that it's kind of the same thing i mean it's not the same thing but also the same thing like when bands are like i know 
it should matter if you're playing to five people or 500 people like you should treat every show like it's important and that it matters because it does so i think with like our record that's kind of the same thing we our same viewpoint is just like these these are things that we these are issues that we feel are important that need to be discussed and i think that I think I think hardcore punk is a very I think it's a very cool um platform to bring like awareness and attention to things that you feel are important. No, I agree. It's weird because uh we did our uh year-end wrap-up episode. Uh it's probably gonna be like four or five episodes back by now that when this airs, but that's pretty much how, how I ended the episode was talking about how that's what's kept me interested in hardcore and punk for so many years is that it's about making a change and inspiring change in other people. And it's kind of interesting because uh, kind of circling back to what you said, and uh, I'll try not to ramble for too long to kind of want to start wrapping up soon, but you, you were talking about like the political landscape, so to speak, sort of. And it kind of makes me think back to um, when I was living in Colorado, I read, uh, this is during my first uh, encounter with uh, drug years. So I was influenced by Hunter S. Thompson during those years. So I was reading, uh, he wrote a book called Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. And he was talking about, and this is like 72. He's talking about like uh, like being in like the presidential debates and and comparing it to like sports and like how they're they're just as, as enthusiastic as sports fans are and they're as rabid as a sports fan. And at the time I was like, that's just crazy to picture. But now like in 2022, like everything's political and you have to be on a side. And like, I'm wearing a basketball sweatshirt. So like, I obviously I love sports and I can relate to it. And I know like, like when you get debating about like sports and stuff, that, that that's the most heated I've ever debated with somebody until recently. Now where it's like, yo, real quick, I gotta get you linked up with our our bass player Roth has a has a basketball podcast. He's obsessed with basketball. Like, I would love to check it out. <laughs> that's his favorite thing in the world is basketball. But go on, sorry. Just... But no, you just made me think about all that because like you guys actually singing about something. This is where I'm going with this. Is like. 20 years ago, yeah, everybody probably would have been singing about that. But now with hardcore, not a lot of bands sing about things. And then, you know, we learned in the last few years with everybody having their own opinion and everybody being on social media now, circling back again to you talking about like old bands. Again, I'm not talking shit, so I'm not going to name names, but we all know who I'm talking about. A lot of old people that I once loved their bands, looked up to them. I definitely don't listen to their bands anymore because the shit that they say and believe, like... I can't get anywhere close to any of that kind of shit. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. just, it's just it, crazy to like the, the the age we live in. I know a lot of people are just trying to troll people and they say, say shit like that, but I'm just like, it's, it, it, I mean, when, now when this airs, it's going to be 2023, you know, I got a son and a daughter. And like, when people start talking about like transgender sports and being mad about this and that, I'm like, they don't even have kids. Like, why do they care? You know what I mean? It's like, it just, it doesn't, it boggles my mind. Why like people in hardcore, want to use their platform to talk about shit like that i'm like yo you look so stupid right now you know what i mean like it's insane well, talking with i was talking with someone i don't know this was a while i mean it feels like very recently but it was probably like a year ago i feel like but we were talking about how there it feels like there's way less you know like air quotes political hardcore bands whereas you know 15 20 30 years ago it felt like that was not the norm but like more often than not like there's a lot of bands talking about shit you know and um we're like it's kind of interesting that that doesn't 
really feel like that's like the norm anymore or even like that often and they had a good point they're like yeah but it feels like everyone is everything like you know like the 24-hour news cycles it's so it's you know he's like back then people didn't have phone like cell phones like that they didn't have all these different devices where they're getting berated with like the constant news cycle and people and there wasn't social media like there is now to where it wasn't invading every aspect of their life and music is escapism for a lot of people to where you know maybe like that's the one place where they don't want to have to deal with that because it's in every other aspect of their life all the time and I was like yeah that's definitely fair and like that honestly makes a lot of sense like that's like I've had some friends that like get mad about like oh these bands don't have anything to say and like I don't give I don't fuck with that blah blah and I'm just like hey like if that's how you feel that's fine man but I'm like look I like that there's something for everybody right now I think that's cool like there are bands that are political not as many but also there's bands that you can just have fun and like I'm like there've always been bands that you can just have fun and like being that I do think the world feels and again like you're referencing like that novel from like the 70s like it's nothing new but it just feels so much more fucking polarizing now than it ever has to where if someone you know and like I'm a fucking white dude like I my life like my life's gonna be 10,000 times easier than a lot of other people's to where it's like if you're if your life every day is like having to deal with like various amounts of bullshit you know because of like the color of your skin or like your gender or whatever maybe like when you're going to hardcore like you just want to like fucking like let loose and fucking spin kick someone and like have fun with your friends and like fuck around like that makes a lot of fucking sense it's the same thing like i love I'm obsessed with, like, I'm a big fucking, like, movie person, and I, like, my girlfriend loves, like, all, like, all the true crime shit, and, like, a lot of that stuff, and I'm, like, I just like watching movies, like, there's escape, like, I just want to watch the craziest shit that's, like, feels so far, like, not realistic at all, and, like, I just want to, like, not have to think about it, and just, like, have fun, and I think that with hardcore, I think that for a lot of people, I think that's probably what it is right now. But at the same time, I do think that it a lot of the things that, like you're saying, what I'm saying is I, I do think that that is something, at least to me, that's like something that really differentiates hardcore from other types of music. I would say punk also does it. But at the same time, like, I don't know, I think there's a lot of aspects about punk that are super fucking corny and goofy, whereas, like, hardcore feels a little more, like, the more legitimized version of that, like, because um, you mentioned earlier, like, you're vegan. I truly, I mean, could be wrong, but I truly think that, like, if it wasn't for hardcore, I think that, like, you wouldn't have veganism as mainstream as it is now. Like, I really don't think that you know, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not vegan, like, I eat a lot of vegan food, but, like, I'm not vegan or anything, but, like, fuck out. 
I'm trying to like have a. We got two vegans in the band. Two dudes that basically like are in between vegetarian and vegan. Like when we like basically when we do band stuff, it's like we're just every we try everywhere we're going. Like we're just going to the place that like vegan food, you know. But um, like Charlie, our drummer, fucking loves Earth Crisis, and like um, I always think about like they had to have had at least to me like a big impact on like the more like mainstream aspect of veganism. You know, like, dude, I heard uh, Carl was on Jamie Joss's podcast like three or four years ago, and I highly doubt he'll. I know, I, I know so. it. I know exactly what episode. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm sorry if you. I doubt Carl, you're listening to this, but if you are, I'm sorry to repeat this. But Jamie basically was like, "How come you guys never like invested in some sort of like uh, almond milk thing, or you know what I mean? Like, they could have been, you know." And it's like, but the, yeah, they are like, dude. I've had so many people, especially coming from this region. Like we've never had anybody from Earth Crisis on the podcast. We've done a shitload of Syracuse interviews in the last year, but I've had so many people say how influential they are to them, and they've gone and people that I know, like that I'm friends with, have gone up to Carl in person and just thanked him for being such an influential. Like I'm not a huge Earth Crisis fan, but I know that like if it wasn't for them and like other bands, like I had my first uh, vegan meal in Syracuse in 1997 at a hardcore festival. You know what I mean? Which turned into Hellfest a couple of years later or whatever. Like the only growing up like the only people that i knew that were vegan were people from hardcore like i not to mention like just the food that they were like putting me on to was actually good versus when you think of like hippy dippy vegans where i'm like no one wants to eat that like that no like no one's eating that like <laughs> that doesn't taste good versus like um like that do you ever listen to that band Die Young from Texas? Yeah, yeah. Like that was like, that was like one of the big bands for me. Which is kind of like, it's interesting now because they're super political. But when I was I got into them, like a lot of again, talking about like different points in your life where things will click. I'll go back now and I'm like, man, these lyrics are fucking sick. Like this is like I'm like connecting to it on like a way more now than I was then, but they were like a big like gateway band for me and Daniel, their singer is like hella fucking vegan. And he was like, they made, they, cause I booked them in Alaska and they like made us some vegan food like one night. And like, that was probably one of the first like vegan meals that I'd had ever. I was like, this is fucking good. That's the dude that's super into fitness too, right? They're, they're yeah. a singer, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess uh, kind of circling back to finish talking about the album, it kind of touches on what we've been saying too. I think with like not as many bands being political, like I, like I said, I'm from the eighties and everybody in our generation, I feel like was diagnosed with ADD and we were all given uh, not Adderall, but what was the thing, whatever the thing before it was, I forget what it was now. Um, but what I'm getting at is I feel like everybody in this generation must have something way fucking stronger than ADD because like the age we live in, like nobody really releases full lengths anymore. And when they do, like you guys seem to have broken the fucking mold because like I did that, I did like a top 10 list and I was going through all the albums of last year and you guys have like the longest album of the year, dude. Like everybody else is like 15 or 16, 17 minutes for an LP. I'm like, how come like, like nobody. And then I realized like nobody can write long LPs anymore. Like, like yours is over 20 minutes right like it's like 20 or one or 22 right i want to say 
Let me look. I, I know it's. I'm pretty short. sure it is. It's, it's longer than 17, though, dude. Like nobody, like I think everyone's just catering to the fact that we have short attention spans now, and no one like there's it's no more 20, 30 minute 20 minutes LPs. And 25 seconds. That's uh, over 20 minutes at least. Like it's not like every every album last year was 17 minutes. I swear. I was like, this is so I crazy. Everything. Think, so I think I was talking with someone about this the other day. I think that streaming really fucked up not even fucked up it just it's shifted how people digest music you know especially with them really pushing like playlists you know like i fucking hate that if your band doesn't get on a big playlist that can really make or break people actually like hearing your record like new people you know what i mean like and the people that already know about your band, they're going to hear about, they're going to listen to either way. But, you know, you can be no-name band, you get on the right playlist, your band will blow up from that. Or at least that's going to be, like, a big stepping stone for your band. But I think that with streaming, I think that most more more often than not, like, obviously some people still do it, but more often than not, I don't think that people are listening to like front to back album. They're like putting stuff on playlists to where I don't like during lockdown, I got really into, I revisited a lot of, we'll just say like post hardcore records and things like that, that I checked out when I was like stuff that I was told I'm supposed to like, you know, when I was younger, like, Oh, you're in a hardcore, you should be listening to these records and blah, blah that didn't click for me, but I'm like, I'm going to give this another shot. And like a lot of it, a lot of it clicked for me at this point and some of it didn't. But one thing I definitely noticed was from more of the, we'll just say the CD era, you know, and like CD era and before you could have a lot of albums where you could trim the fat. There probably, there's probably anywhere from three to like six good, like strong songs on the album. And then there's a bunch of filler songs where it's like, you know, they're never going to play these live. These are there to fulfill. To So it's an album, you know, and like you could only have a couple good songs and that would be enough for you to sell. Like people would buy it. And um, I think with streaming, I think that puts way more pressure on bands to not put out as much fluff because it, um, I was talking to someone um, in Tulsa about this specific thing of like, kind of like the risks versus reward of putting out LPs versus like EPs and like the Spotify age where it's like, all right, let's say you put out an EP, okay? It's three songs. Maybe only one of those songs goes over and people don't like the other two you kind of look like an idiot as a band. But let's say, I feel like I'm missing part of the context. Oh, we're talking about like bands experimenting and how, and this initial conversation, oh, you've got an LP, there's room for experimentation and trying new things. And being that there's so many songs, you have the opportunity to do that. And, if people don't connect with the, like, we'll say the weirder stuff, you know, on your album, it's okay because 
they're going to pull the songs they, they really like off the album, put them on a playlist anyway. And then at the same time, if you have enough good songs still that people like, people will forget about the, the songs that didn't like go over as well. But if you're putting out an EP and you still try to do those weird things and people don't connect with it, you know, I was saying, then you have one song that goes over and you have two, you know, two or three that people are kind of, like, I don't really fuck with this. Then you, that release doesn't look as good. To where I think that there's more eyes and ears on what you're putting out. I, I think that bands are putting out shorter releases. I think that with the way, like, I'll be frank. I don't ever want to put out another LP just because just because of how like I love I love playlists that's usually how I listen to music at this point but I even did that before I was I loved like mixtapes when I was younger and I loved making mix CDs like talking about ADD I don't think I have ADD but my brain loves like the variety of like, but I also love all of my favorite hardcore records that made the biggest impact on me or ones that I listened to front to back. That's what I was going to say. Cause I'm trying to think while you're saying all that, like I got, I can think of tons of stuff from like 99, 2000 for hardcore bands where I'm like, okay, there's like six good songs out of the 12 on that. But like anything classic, like it's front to back. And then, but I think, again, like I said before, I grew up on rap music, so I can definitely think of a ton of rap LPs where they were definitely filling the 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 length specifications or whatever. And now with rap, like they're definitely doing the exact mold that you're talking about, because like, I mean, I don't listen to a ton of like mainstream. I mean, some of the like the uh, dudes from around here are, are like mainstream now, like like the Buffalo dudes. But um they all do like just like singles now it seems like like eps and like mixtapes and shit they'll do like one there was some podcast it might have been axe grinder it might have been just an interview with someone but someone was saying kind of how like music in general at this point is taking like the rap model of like how it always used to be like singles and like mixtapes and things like that and kind of like everyone has kind of pivoted to that model because of it's crazy how fast music moves at this point in general and like looking at like your little while ago talking about like year and you know lists and stuff and i made like a playlist of the other day of like oh these are all my i pulled like a song from each album of like these are all my favorite releases and there's so much shit that came out this year that i forgot came out that like i liked and it was just there's just so much and it moves so fast to where like you know, if this if this band didn't tour a lot or if this band kind of just put the album out and that was it. I like especially with like, you know, people getting their information from like social media and like how fucking how much the algorithms on that can kiss my ass like they're crap. But it's just a whole thing like. My new thing now, and I keep telling other people to do this because I've noticed it more and more is like just following a band on Spotify or whatever, you know, whatever like your streaming service you choose is. But I've had that be way more helpful of like being kept in touch with the new, when new music is coming out, like it'll actually pop up. It'll show me 
because the amount of people that have told us since the record came out like that like follow us on instagram it's like oh hey i had no idea that this even came out like that's crazy and i'm like oh thanks like thank you for checking out that's cool like um but yeah just like i don't know i think that there's so many bands now music moves so fucking fast that i think that the emphasis on quality control is much higher and i know for us like we wanted to write like an album so like with the way that the song order the fact that we have like an intro on it an interlude we very much were putting it together as we want people to listen to this front to back and you want it to flow well where you're not feeling like the record's dragging like none of our songs are long like everything we've done with this record was very intentional because we want people to start to finish but also not get bored you know well, before we start wrapping up with a couple, my couple last questions, I just want to say, uh, circling back to the year-end list, I do want to apologize because I feel like if we were to rewrite my top 10 like in six months, I would definitely put your album on there. But I have this thing where like, if, I, if I'm doing an interview with somebody, and I heard this on a podcast recently too, where the dude asked him like what current stuff he listens to. And he was like, when I'm getting ready to do an interview with the band, that's all I listen to. And like when I started writing the top 10 list, it's like, that's what I was listening to is your record because I was getting ready to do the, the interview. And I was like, man, I feel like I'd kind of be biased putting this on the top 10 now. And you guys, like whenever a band releases stuff, like right at the end of the year, I'm like, man, why are you guys putting this out? Like so late at the end of the year or whatever. Like, did you guys, were you guys like, did that just how the, the, the cookie crumbled or whatever? Like it just came out at the end of the year. Were you planning on having it come out in like, uh, you know what I mean? The last quarter or whatever. Um. So kind of yes to both of those so we so we put the promo out over the summer and we knew that we were putting the record out like we we're basically like you know vinyl or not we're putting the record out this year like that's just like we're not waiting any longer for this like hopefully this gets figured out with the pressing plants you know because like we're getting so many like conflicting like like turnaround times and we were just like all right the record's coming out this year either way whether or not like when the vinyl comes out it'll come out but we're putting the record out like we're not waiting any longer on this like um you know it just doesn't make sense for us to wait any longer it's already like been so long since we put anything out and then we ended up um trying the other way to like there was an opportunity for us to get the record out sooner. And so we were like, okay, fuck yeah. So then Charlie and I game planned kind of like a release schedule of how we wanted to put the record out. And so we did that. And um, having the record come out towards the end of the year, one thing like, it wasn't like, oh, we're doing this on purpose, but like, we were kind of like, what this could potentially be something that happens, and that would be cool. Is we're like, the record will have been out recent enough that when people are thinking of their year end lists, it won't it won't be something that was forgotten because it came out in February or March. You know what I mean? We're like, it'll be fresh on people's minds, so we're like, 
you know, maybe like maybe it'll make some lists because of that. You know, that'll be that'll be a cool bonus. But ultimately, we we just want the record out this year, and it just kind of ended up being like it can come out. Like this is when we'll. I actually got a uh, email earlier. I'm. I think I'll be getting our vinyl tomorrow. Is delivered at my house tomorrow. So literally very, very end of the year. But yeah, so we were kind of like, I think at one point it might have been mentioned like we could we could have put the record out in January of next year, and we just said no, we're not doing that. I'm like, I think, you know, going back to movies, January is a dumping ground time. I think that if you, I think if your band is big enough it doesn't matter but like we're not a big band for it. we're like we're not putting the record out in january like no like no one's gonna give a fuck about that record then to where um we kind of bumped with like the release schedule we kind of bumped it around a little bit like usually like i think most bands will wait like when they're dropping singles they'll wait like a month between each single but we did ours two weeks but we're like we're not a huge band so it doesn't really matter like we can forego what like the kind of the typical model is for like most like bigger hardcore bands or whatever like we'll just do it this way it's fine but oh uh, also uh before i forget we're gonna be playing uh, a song at the end of the episode uh uh failed animal you told me that you think that's an interesting uh choice uh, any reason why why you think that's an interesting choice uh so to me it's interesting because although it's on the lp we technically it's an old song we put out so my buddy chris mollet like youth energy design he like does all of our most of our art and shit like he did the album cover and the layout and everything for the record he was putting out he used to run a label called dog years records and he would put out comps every year and he'd have like a bunch of different bands on it and we actually had a different version of we have an older recording of the song that we initially recorded for our demo, but I didn't record vocals for it. And we kind of were like, let's just save this for something else. And then he hit us up and was like, oh, I'm going to put a comp out. Like, do you guys have any music? And I was like, I do actually. Let's, I got to go track vocals for it, but we have a song. And like, um, so then we recorded, like we put that out on a comp and then something happened to where I think he had a band on the comp that was from Australia that was on a label. And it was a whole fucking thing to where the comp ended up getting taken off Spotify. And then I up, I, re, I re-uploaded it during like lockdown just to have it up. So I was like, I kept, oh, I'll get around to doing this and I would just forget. But we re-recorded it for the LP and put it on the LP because we were like, the song rocks. We kind of feel like we wanted to have like a proper physical release of some kind, like to be on something. And we're like, thematically like thematically it fits with the record sonically fits with the new album and we haven't played it in a really long time but i kind of i i i would like to put it back into the set list we were talking like we we're talking about like a lot of the songs on this new record we haven't played as like a full band because we were writing it during like you know lockdown to where we're going to have to learn like a new set. Like we've been, pl- we've been playing more or less, like we've played t- two thirds of the, the songs on the new record live, I think, 
but this is one that Hunter's never played before. And I love, I, I mean, I really like this one of my favorite songs that we've written to where I'm hoping you bring it back. But I think this is interesting because like, at least for me to this record, like that's a deep cut on the new record. I think it's cool that. There was like two other tracks that I was considering. One of them you already put out as a single, but honestly, out of all, out of the album, I feel like that's the one that sounds most like early 2000s for better or worse. And like when I first started doing this podcast in the beginning, it, it was just me running it. And all the people I interviewed were like mainly from that era. So I feel like a lot of the people that are like our core listeners would appreciate something like that. Um, not to the say they wouldn't appreciate the rest of it, obviously, but. The working title for this song before we had a name for it was Strike Anywhere Song. Well, so what's really funny is I don't know what episode it was. I'm sure you probably heard of the band, the Polar Bear Club, though. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're from Rochester. And when I had their singer on here uh, like a year and a half ago, him and I were talking about bands that aren't from Rochester, but we consider them Rochester bands because like when I or whoever was booking shows at the time would, would bring them here, they would just like a wrestling term, they would have like a, a huge pop, like a mega pop, like everybody yeah. would just go nuts. And it seemed like it was like a homecoming show for them. And Shrek Anywhere is one of those bands. And when I heard you talking about them on the other podcast, I was like, man, like all these influences that I already see from you guys and that you're talking about too. It's like, when you guys tour, well, I'll definitely get you guys here. Cause I feel like like the people that like I'm still friends with and like, like came up in Rochester would love a band like this. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, that's the kind of shit that like, like was huge here like 20 years ago. You know what I mean? So I think Blue like Bear, the kids that are- Bear club stayed at my old house a couple times, I think. Good I mean, dudes. <laughs> they used to play, they used to play here a lot. I feel like they always had, I mean, they were, there was a minute where that band was huge. Yeah. I feel like they like, they were supposed to play here. I think it was their bridge and I tour strike anywhere in them and like ruiner and shit. And then I think strike anywhere. I don't think they dropped off the whole tour, but they definitely didn't play the Boise days. So then Polar Bear club had the headline and play like they ended up playing like a way longer set than they normally would. And so we're pulling out songs that they didn't play in a while. And it was fun. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, strike anywhere fucking rocks. I think, I think that's a band that's fully lost on like younger people. Like I didn't, that's a band. So when I was saying like, oh, the working title was Strike Anywhere. When we started the band, I didn't care about Strike Anywhere. Like, it was just a thing where I'm like, oh, like I've heard them. It's just not, it just hasn't clicked for me. Like and when people put it on, I'm not mad at it. I don't dislike it, but it just doesn't click for me. And then that's a band that during lockdown I revisited and I got super into it. And like, they got, the lyrics are fucking awesome. Like to where, now I'm like, a, I guess like a big strike anywhere ahead, but like, you know, Nathan and Charlie and Ralph in particular were like, when we started the band, that was like a big influence on like a lot of stuff was like strike anywhere. But um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll circle to the, I'll, I'll, I'll jump to this point then we are coming or we are, we're planning on coming to the East coast next year. I don't know when yet, just because Tours get booked out so far now, it's psychotic to me. I don't get that. I mean, I get it, but like, I don't, I don't know where I'm, what I'm doing that far in advance. I'm not a full time band, like the fuck, like, I don't, you know what I mean? But we had our band dinner a couple weeks ago to figure out like, well, what are we doing next year? Big plans are East Coast. That was like the main, like, that's the biggest place, or that's the biggest area we've wanted to tour since 
like we were planning on touring there before COVID, you know, like um, Europe. We're looking at Europe for next year, hopefully. And then the Midwest, like the thing that sucks is Boise is so fucking far from everything. Like it really is like we've toured the Northwest a bunch of times it's fun. I'm sure we'll end up doing it next year, even though like we're kind of, oh, we should like hold off and play in the Northwest as much. But just from like a purely like distance and cost, like we'll probably end up doing it again. But like it's so expensive to fly out places if you're not doing a long enough tour to make the money back, you know? And it's not like we can hop in a van and just drive like everything's far to where um next year that's like we're like that was our big thing is like where can we tour where it's feasible where we're not gonna like be completely fucked losing money like the shows could all be great but just the cost to get out there we're gonna lose money either way to where i think the big plan for next year is we're looking at flights or like I think what's going to make the most sense for us a lot of times is we're going to we're we're going to have to fly out to the East Coast. Like, there's no, we can't drive across the U. Like, that just like I think we're going to drive either to Salt Lake or Seattle, play a show there, fly out, and then you know do our shows where we fly out to. But Boise is like a hub for fly, like a hub airport. So drive to a drive to a hub play a show that night we'll make some money you know what i mean and then on the chart charlie since he's in like ingrown and their tour machines since he's been touring with them a lot now like he's pretty like he was good at the stuff before but he's like way better now at like ballparking like routing and like well, we should fly out of here like they're gonna tickets like and he just understands like way more about like routing now and like, oh, this makes the most sense, you know, like I've played all these places. I can I have a general idea of like what the shows could be like and stuff, but well, I'll be booking a bunch of shows. So if you guys make it up to Rochester, make sure to have your publicist or your manager or your booking agent or whoever. That's me. That's <laughs> no, I'm mate. fucking with you. <laughs> Going back to our earlier conversation, obviously. I'll um, have my my people. Yeah. Uh so yeah, you mentioned ingrown. And I know you have other people in other, like, like literally like six other bands. So does that make it tough for you guys with like practicing and writing and planning shows and stuff or? Yes. We don't practice as a band. <laughs> we, uh, we'll practice. We'll have a practice before tour. And then otherwise I feel like we used to like, we used to more so, I think the longer, the long, like as the time goes on as us being a band, we're more comfortable with like not even practicals, play shows. You know, like that's the practice is playing the show. It's terrible for me as a singer. You know, I should be practicing all the time, getting stamina and stuff like, but um, yeah, we just don't really practice. We used to, but we just kind of, you know, like, we'll like we'll practice once before tour and then if it's like a big local show that we're like a bigger like show locally 
we'll practice before but other than that like we don't really practice just because like everyone's in so many bands like hunters and witness chamber and they do a lot now um ralph is like the manager at like a non-profit bike shop and has a kid nathan is a college professor charlie is an ingrown who are fucking like i feel like one of the biggest bands in hardcore right now so we're like we're all just as people really busy so like even like when we were saying how our band didn't figure out like plans like just figuring out the logistics of like what can we do next like you know what i mean like what's our wiggle room to like do stuff and then i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say i think you know i think next year will be the first time that like we're probably going to be like touring with like fill-ins at some point just legit like not even that like we want to but it's just like this is probably going to end up being a thing that happens because like we don't want to not tour on the record and we don't want to not take cool opportunities if like they're coming our way like we'll make it we'll figure it out we'll make it work like most bands do you know like i think with hardcore like i think hardcore is at least in my experience is like seems like the most common genre to have fill-ins yeah and that's what i was going to say having a a college professor and a dude who is ingrown like a full-time band now or pretty close to it or pretty close they have some stuff coming up that's not announced that's like fucking crazy yeah but yeah, it, seems um, like, it seems like you'd be limited with your touring availability like you were saying that with the yeah i mean like i i have no aspirations to tour full-time like i i did when i was younger but like i'm 35 like i like i'm trying to like marry like my girl like my girlfriend and i've been dating for like ever and like we're trying to get married you know like we want to buy a house like just do like more like grown-up stuff into where at the same time for me it was touring like i am more down to like lose money on touring just because i'm like i'm looking at it as like a vacation you know what i mean it's like oh like oh we i ended up losing you know x number of dollars like it's like yeah but i had fun you know and like the band was a means to do that to where like i don't look at that as like a loss i look at that as like an experience and like that's cool like that's what i'm doing it as like i have a job to where you know I'll pay like I have I have calculated that into doing this I have like PTO and like blah blah blah. but kind of funny is like Nathan college professor like his job now he's like no man I got this much time with PTO every year I I got a fucking TA I can have do stuff like (laughs) I'm chilling he's like we want to do shows he's like I'm pretty good like I have like you know I can tour I can't do you know a three-week tour and i'm like i you couldn't pay me to do that even if it was a lot of money but um you know we're like a week tour cool you know a two-week tour if it was like something crazy all right but um yeah i mean it's definitely a juggling act i think that like it's a good problem to have i think in the sense that like all of our bands are doing things so it's like something like I would I want all my friends to have as much cool opportunities and success as possible, you know, to where we're like, we'll make it work, like we'll figure it out. Like it's just that, you know, 
this will be the time where we finally have to maybe like actually use like fill-ins but we've already got some of that stuff i think kind of figured out so um yeah all right i think it's starting to get pretty late my time um and i think we're actually i guess that means we're probably around the two hour mark which I wasn't anticipating us to go this long with this interview, so apologies to to uh, my podcast partner Greg, who edits most of these, all of these actually. Uh, apologies for us going so long. Um, but I guess with that being said, is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to touch on, or anything else before, uh, or like any shout outs or plugs? I guess too. Uh, I mean, a shout out to Boise. I think that uh, I don't know. I, I just. Like, like, I think we touched on right when we first started, like, people don't think of, like, hardcore when they think of Boise. And I think now, especially on the West Coast, Boise hardcore is, like, has a very positive, like, connotation to it. And when I think of, like, Northwest hardcore, like, right now, Boise feels like, like, one of the spots right now. And it's just fucking cool and it's a testament to everyone involved it's not like a one person or like it's a it's a full-on communal effort from everyone obviously there's some people that do more heavy lifting than others but it's very much a uh communal thing and i think that's fucking sick i think that's what I think the coolest thing about hardcore is the ability to do that or not the coolest one of the coolest things but you know shout out boise shout out witness chamber everyone that's listening should check out witness chamber they're fucking sick um i feel like everyone has heard ingrown but if they haven't check out ingrown um i feel i don't know i feel weird i used to be like shout out like a million bands but now i don't like want to leave anyone out you know it's like oh blah, blah, blah. but just you know hardcore is in a very cool place right now i mean there's a lot of goofy nonsense but at the same time, there's a lot of really cool things. So I think that um, if you're an old head, check out all the new bands. There's lots of cool shit. And if you're a young person, check out bands that aren't playing the really big music festivals because that is such a small fraction of what is actually going on in hardcore. So you know, dig beyond that, you know. Uh, and last thing, I guess, uh, on that other podcast in the intro, he had mentioned that you would, he would, he would hear the correct way of pronouncing, uh, Boise. Yes. I think, I think I've been saying it Boise the whole time. And I just heard you say Boise, yeah. it's right? Boise. It's Boise. Like it's pronounced like the word boy and then the letter C. Boise. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say it right from now on after, after doing this interview. How about that? It's, I mean, I, I, for the longest time, I think even after I moved here, was like saying Boise. And then um, I'll send you the video later, but there's like, it's a thing that started in Vancouver. But um, now, like whenever Boise bands play places, you'll hear, you'll hear, it's more so on the West Coast, specifically the Northwest. We always hear people just yelling Boise. And it like all stemmed from this one. Um, this band swarm beating that was from here that was playing a fest and like people just started yelling that. And now like, especially if like we, any bands from Boise play Vancouver, everyone is just yelling Boise the entire set, like the whole time. It's, it's fucking fun. It's weird, but yeah, this was fun. Uh, 
Shout out to Boise Hardcore. You know, (laughs) Boise... Boise fucking rocks. Boise on top, you know. It's... uh, I was actually... We'll sign off on this. Someone hit me up earlier, and they're they're they just got a job offer to move here, and they're like, so is it's like Boise like you know hardcore is like really important to me. Like if I move there, am I gonna like give me like a real like honest? And I'm like, it's fucking sick right now. Like it's on the come up. Like if I was going to like a younger person, especially going to shows, I would want to be in a scene that was on the come up. I would think that was really cool because you could like be part of a growing thing as opposed to like coming into a place that's like either already established and like is kind of just set in its ways but I was like yeah man Boise is fucking on fire right now that's cool I think that 2023 is going to be the year of Boise the hardcore archive podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore community. Theme song provided by Stand Fast. Visit Hardcore Archive Podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes. Follow Hardcore Archive Podcast and Enterprise Hardcore Podcast on Instagram for updates. If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at hardcorearchivepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah!